Hello everyone, welcome to the fourth episode of the Farmer's Market, a Dynasty Baseball podcast brought to you by Sports Ethos. I'm your host, Andrew Segley. For this episode today, I'm going to be diving into some of the September call-ups that have recently just passed and how they're performing and some breakdowns of some of the guys and how they're doing so far in their Major League debuts. Sorry for the lack of posting lately in my podcast, I I don't know if you can still hear it in my voice, but I'm getting over uh, a bit of a cold infection deal. Don't want to get too deep into it, but sorry in advance if I sound a little stuffy going along this podcast. The first guy we're going to dive right into is New York Yankees call-up Jason Dominguez. And this one honestly just breaks my heart as a Yankees fan. He had such a good start. 258 batting average, four home runs, and a stolen base through his first 33 plate appearances. He was really hitting the ball in the nose. 286 XBA, 110 max exit velocity. He was showing a lot of bright spots for the Yankees. And word just came out recently that he tore his UCL. And he just went under the knife today and had Tommy John surgery with around a 9 to 10 month recovery timeline which of course has some dynasty implications for those who have shares of Jason Dominguez still just only 20 years old so it's definitely not a panic button situation that he's having Tommy John you know the most notable hitter that just had Tommy John Bryce Harper returned fairly quickly so I think they'll be careful with him I think he'll be around probably the September call-up option again next year they'll put him through another rehab process probably in the minors take it very slow with Dominguez I don't think they're going to want to rush him he's probably their most exciting prospect outside of Anthony Volpe he might be even more exciting for them in in terms of the organization and I yeah I don't think this is a panic move but you know it does suck to see a, a talent of his caliber go down to a Tommy John injury Tommy John surgery but I I don't think don't don't panic trade at all here Definitely hold on to Dominguez, but we saw the the five cap potential that he has in in fantasy going forward. Four home runs and a stolen base in just thirty three plate appearances. That that's that's special for just a twenty year old. And and the way the thing that stuck out most to me when watching his film and watching his at bats, his approach is much more mature than a twenty year old should have at this level. It's it's crazy that twenty year olds are even in the league. That, that's that's a very crazy feat to have under his belt. So I think I'm still excited about Dominguez going forward. I don't think Tommy John's going to affect him too much. I'm still thinking that this is a five-cat monster going forward in fantasy. So you should be excited if you've got shares of Jason Dominguez. Don't be freaked out about the Tommy John surgery. The next guy we're going to get into, another prospect that was promoted that hit the ground running so far, Sedan Rafaela of the Boston Red Sox. He is batting 345 with a home run and a stolen base in his first 31 plate appearances for Boston. This kid is a very exciting player for the Red Sox. His swing is just built for Fenway. That's the thing I've noticed so far when when diving into his game film and really watching him, how he approaches at bats. Um, the 203 XBA, it's not not the best, not the best for um his 345 true average. But I do like what I've seen. The bar- He's barreling up the ball really well. And I- I'm excited on what he brings to the table. You know, he has some nice power. I want to see the strikeout rate way down, though. That 38% is just not going to be feasible going forward. That's going to come back to haunt him. The plate discipline needs to improve for him for sure. Uh, I think I'm looking at a sell high here in Sedan. 
I'm not too confident that he's going to keep up what he's doing. And, and the average, don't, I don't think, will stick, especially with nearly a 40% strikeout rate. That is very, very hard to withhold over a long period of time when you're striking out that much. Hitting the major leagues is a completely different beast in terms of pitchers exploiting your weaknesses. The minor leagues, you can get away with some stuff like that. We've seen people with high strikeout, weight, high strikeout rates really do well in the minors. O'Neill Cruz was pretty good. Ellie did great in the minors. CSC, yes, did great in the minors with some strikeout issues at points. But I think when you hit the majors, you really need to buckle down and improve on your plate discipline because the pitchers will really exploit that from you. It wasn't his strikeout rate wasn't horrible in the minors, just around 21% in AAA. So I think it'll come down a little bit, but 38% on in the initial first 31 at bats is really not good. It's, it's a bit of a red flag. It's, I'm not crazy panicked, but I would definitely sell high. I don't know if the power output will hold up. He really hasn't been a power option throughout the minor leagues. So I'm looking at a sell higher for Sedan, but he has done really well for Boston to start off the jump of his promotion. Getting right into our second New York name, we have Ronnie Mauricio of the New York Mets. Ronnie was called up for September call-ups, promoted to the MLB, and since then he's really hit the ground running and shown he's going to be a five-cat stud for many years to come. Just 22 years old, started off so far through his first 38 plate appearances, he's batting 306 with one home run and four stolen bases. He has some raw, raw power here. He hits the ball very hard in spurts. His average exit velo is really good right now at around 91.9 miles per hour, but his max EV at 117.3, which was his first home run of the season at that 117 mile per hour mark. And Ronnie has some defensive ways to go a little bit, I'd say. He's not a bad defender. I think he's going to be a league average defender. Nothing that won't allow him to stay on the field, but he's really hit the ground running, you know. 284 XBA, too, to go with that. Stealing bases, showing raw power, hitting the ball on the nose. I really like what we're seeing out of Ronnie. Plate discipline, much better than I anticipated for a guy who was just getting his first go of it in the majors. 21.1 strikeout percentage right now. That's very, very good for someone his age and has not had as much reps at the major league level. I remember there was a point in 2022 where we didn't really know if Ronnie was going to, you know, keep that ascension into his promotion and, and project into the player that we once thought. But this year, when he had AAA, he really turned it up a notch. Batted 292, 23 home runs, and 24 stolen bases in 116 games for AAA for the Mets. Got promoted, showing a lot of that speed. Going to see some more power as time goes on. Only 10 games into his major league career. I'm not too worried about that. And it's posted a 139 ISO. I think the power is going to go up a little bit. It's a very raw right now. I think when he gets a full offseason of major league reps under his belt, then next year we're going to see the power explosion. And I think we could be in for a nice maybe 15 home run, 15 to 20 home run range with about 25 stolen bags in a full season at the major league level. The strikeout rate being that low is huge for him. That's a very good sign from someone of his caliber. And I really like what we have going forward for Ronnie, and he's, he's moving up my dynasty rankings for sure. The next promotion we're getting into here, Jordan Lawler, shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Someone who I really didn't think was going to get called up in 2023. I was more anticipating this as a 2024 opening day nod. But he forced the hand of Arizona 
in AAA since he was getting he got promoted about a couple weeks back to AAA from AA. And in AAA in 16 games, he batted 358 with five home runs, three stolen bases, and 19 RBIs with a 15% strikeout rate and 11% walk rate. Incredible numbers in such a short span in that AAA leap. But, you know, sometimes this happens with the top guys. This is one of my favorite prospects. Not my top shortstop prospect, but he's up there. I have Jackson Holiday as my top shortstop prospect. But since being promoted, Jordan Lawler has struggled, batting 125 with a 41% strikeout rate in his first 17 at-bats with one swiped bag. Um, I'm not I'm not worried yet. Such a good talent. And this is definitely 5-cat upside for a player of his caliber. You know, the speed is just right off the bat already in the 90th percentile in the majors playing in a nice lineup with Corbin Carroll, Christian Walker, Alec Thomas. Guys like that is definitely going to bode well for him going forward. I just think, you know, he got promoted, maybe gets a little overwhelmed with the bright lights. Things like that definitely happened. Former first-round pick, dominated at practically every minor league level he was in. Struggled a tiny bit last year in AA. But once the calendar year flipped, he really turned it on and figured it out. And then that promotion to AAA, as I said, hit the ground running. I like Lawler. Love him going forward. I think this is a guy that, if you have the opportunity from managers that are panicked on him, to definitely buy low and capture value for him going into next year. Because I think going into next year, after same thing as Mauricio, after he gets a full offseason under his belt, I think he'll accumulate much better numbers going into next year. I, do, I would expect some sort of slump the rest of the way for Lawler. It's going to be tough for him. He could be in his own head at this point. It usually happens with minor leaguers when they get promoted. It gets a little overwhelming in your first your first couple at-bats in the majors. But once the nerves settle and go away for Lawler, I think we're going to start seeing the type of upside we've been seeing all throughout the minors, and the projections have really shown. Plate discipline was his strong suit. He's always had a controllable strikeout rate, I'd say. 21.7 in 2023 AA. As I said, 15% in 2023 AAA. He hasn't drawn a walk yet. I expect that to change, of course. Just be patient here. And I, I think Lawler is still at the top of my dynasty rankings for prospects. For the next prospect that got called up very recently, actually, Pete Crow Armstrong of the Chicago Cubs. I received a little bit of flack on Twitter for what I said about Pete Crow Armstrong being more of a sell-high option in dynasty. I'm still caught in a bit of a limbo in, in my statement there. I think he's done a lot of things really, really well in the minor leagues this year, but there's still some things I think are red flags for me. The five-category upside is is undeniable at this point. I really think he does have that upside. The power might be a bit more limited than we've seen, but the strikeouts are just gnawing at me in terms of that I always say that could hold back a player's production in the long run. Pico Armstrong in AAA since he got promoted a few weeks back. 271 batting average, 6 home runs, 10 stolen bases, 22 RBIs in 34 games. The 21-year-old posted a 29.7% strikeout rate in those games. That is just way, way too high for me to think that that'll translate without any hiccups in his production. The stolen bases, 100% going to come. Elite defender. We've already seen it. He's made a diving play, crashing into the wall. His, just his 
first game in the league, that's incredible. The defensive presence and prowess, I don't think that's disputable. But I think the strikeout rate's going to hinder him a bit until he makes that adjustment. In his first eight plate appearances already, struck out 37% of the time, just eight, obviously just eight plate appearances. It's not anything to panic about. I don't think this 37% is going to be the norm. But I do think the strikeout rate's going to hold him back a bit. I think he needs to improve upon that, and I think this is still a sell-high option for me personally, build off the hype that you know he's accumulated as he's progressed throughout the minor league levels. I just don't think that the average will stick in the majors. I think we could be looking at a 15 home run, 15 to 20 stolen base guy next year, which is by all means great, but I think much more is being expected out of him from people who are believers in Peter Armstrong. I still, I think I'm a semi-believer at this point. I don't think he's going to be a bad player, as I said. I just think that strikeout rate is going to hurt him and hiccup the production. And a fun fact, actually, I just saw on Twitter the other day, Peter Armstrong's mother is the mom from Little Big League, and I did not know that. And I thought that was an, a fantastic fun fact, and that actually made... It made me laugh when I read that. I was not expecting that. I, it feels like that movie was out so long ago that that didn't really make any sense. But one of my favorite baseball movies of all time is that his mom is the mom from that. But just a nice, nice uh, fun fact for everyone. But to get back on track, Pete Armstrong is promoted elite defender. The strikeout rate is going to hinder him, I think, a little bit. So I still look to sell high, in my opinion. It really feels like when September hits and these call-ups happen, a lot of them seem to have some magic involved. And I'm not sure how many of you guys play MLB The Show, but it feels like all of these guys get plus 10 attributes as soon as they get called up and just hit the ground running right away. And Evan Carter is definitely one of those guys. Evan Carter, through his first 22 plate appearances, is batting 313 with one home run and two stolen bases. Most of these guys on this call-up list in September recently have been five cat threats and Evan Carter is definitely one of them. Plate discipline was his uh, biggest positive attribute, I'd say. 22% strikeout rate in AA and 16% walk rate. The walk rate's always been in double digits along the whole line of the minor league levels as he traveled up the ladder. I think the biggest surprise was his power output. Um, launched 12 home runs in AA, tw swiped 22 bags and batted 284 before moving up to AAA and batting 353 and swiping three bags without a home run in just eight games before getting the call to the major league level. I would say Evan Carter is a tier below, you know, some of the guys I've already discussed, but I still think there's a lot to like about him. Average is definitely a huge upside. And I would definitely look to buy low if the window is there, if people are are selling based off of the um the lack of a power output projection he had a 214 iso so far in the six games in the majors with a home run and he's obviously on pace for more than home run, more than 12 home runs than he's hit in double a he's still just 20 years old so very young a lot of room to grow for evan carter in a stacked texas rangers system in the lineup i really like this fit and i'm looking i'm looking for big things come 2024 for evan carter Speaking of stacked farm systems, let's get into the next guy we're going to talk about right here. Noel V. Marte, Cincinnati Reds, 21 years old, 
infielder promoted just before the September call-up. Uh, I figured they probably were going to do this anyways, regardless of roster expansion and whatnot. But he's played well in the 75 plate appearances he's had so far. He's at one home run, batting 279 with six stolen bases in the 22 games he's appeared in so far. 24% strikeout rate and an 8% walk rate. Around a 119 ISO, so the power output isn't exactly where we want it to be going forward. But at just 21 years old, Marte was a top guy and who they received back in the Luis Castillo trade from the Mariners. So a, a nice a nice piece going forward for them in a stacked Reds system that has mostly been promoted so far. I really think Marte has a bright future going forward, and I, I'm, a, I'm a big fan. I just don't think we'll ever get around to the power output that we were projecting or expecting from him. But the average upside is definitely there. The stolen base upside is definitely there. The strikeout rate needs to come down just a tad. And playing in that hitter-friendly ballpark could inflate those power numbers a bit and those home run numbers a bit. I think we're looking at, a you know, closer to a Matt McClain type which is not a knock of in any sort. Matt McLean is a great player. And I think that we're looking at around a 15 home run, 25 stolen base guy in a full season sample for Noel B. Marte. And I've really liked the consistent pop we've seen from Marte in his first MLB stint. 92.5 average exit velocity he's shown off the bat. Even the max EV is in a good spot. 115.6 shows he has some untapped power and some raw power with a nice solid speed grade in the 80 to 88th percentile right now in major league baseball good base runner has some pop going out in a hitter's ballpark i'm, I'm a fan going forward of Marte. the next call up was more of a disappointing you know outcome that we've seen so far alexander canario 23 years old called up from the chicago cubs organization Really has gotten more relegated to a bench role since being promoted. I was expecting not that based off how well he was actually performing in AAA since being ramped up from a an ankle injury in the offseason. He came back and he was a bit sluggish, went to the CPX, didn't do terrible, 286 batting average, one home run in seven games. You know, that's nothing, nothing to be worried about. Goes to single A after that. In 10 games, that's 256 with a 30% strikeout rate. You know, you start to look a little bit, and it's just not exactly what you want to see out of a 23-year-old in single A. After getting promoted, he was much better. And the two weeks before he was called up to the major league level, he was just going ballistic. In August, he was slashing 347 with seven home runs, 25 RBIs, two stolen bases at one point before getting called up. And it just very much confuses me on why you would want, as a manager and as an organization, to call up a player of that caliber on such a hot streak swing, such a hot bat, just to relegate them to the bench. That does not make much sense to me. It's very disappointing to see a player of his caliber just rotting away a hot streak on the Cubs bench. Maybe they want to see him experience some of that you know down the stretch mlb baseball what what that's like that experience which i totally understand i totally get but i just don't think it makes much sense considering how well he was playing after playing not well over the past year and a half wasn't playing amazing baseball coming off an ankle injury and you 
call him up just to not give him any at-bats. He's had one at-bat so far since being called up, and he struck out. He's 100% strikeout rate in one game, one appearance. You know, it's very disappointing from Canario, and I really liked what I was seeing from him. Um, I'm looking forward to 2024. This is still a good buy window for him right now. I'm still a fan. I'm still in on Canario with the raw power and the slight speed output upside. Moving on, we have another Cubs call-up. Jordan Wicks, 24-year-old starting pitcher in the organization, has been the talk of the town not only in the dynasty market, but also in the redraft market. Really has just performed incredibly well through his first four major league starts. In that span, he's thrown 17.2 innings, allowing 17 hits, four earned runs, just one home run, four walks, and six strikeouts. The strikeouts are not exactly where you want them to be at, but he's done an incredible job at making batters chase outside the zone and inducing weak contact in order to keep that ERA low and even the XERA, 2.7 right now. So this isn't a fluke by any means. He's doing his job making batters fight off bad pitches and induce weak contact. Left-hander doesn't throw that hard, over, doesn't overwhelm me with a crazy fastball. 92 mile an hour average velocity on that. More of a fastball changeup mix. Kind of reminds me of Jeffrey Springs a little bit. If he can up the velo just a tad and work in a third pitch, we're looking at a serious, serious upside pitching arm right here going forward with the Cubs. And I like what he's done so far. Very disciplined, only four walks and 17.2 innings. And the thing has really stuck out most to me is his ability to consistently go deep into games. or not, I wouldn't say deep, but I would say deeper for a rookie. He's gone at least five innings every single start he's thrown so far for the Cubs. Getting up to six and two-thirds, six innings last start. As he gets more accumulated to the MLB, I think the Cubs will start to, you know, give him a longer leash and trust him a bit more to get deeper into games because he's done an incredible job thus far. Former first-round pick Jordan Wicks has just been incredible for the Cubs and what they've been trying to do here in September. For our last name, interestingly enough, this happened while I started recording the podcast, so I thought let's throw him in at the end. Heston Kerstad has been called up by the Baltimore Orioles today, and he has had a nice a nice minor league career, I'd say, after going through getting drafted in the COVID season and then had a medical issue that kept him out for a little bit. And this year for AAA, he's batting 298, 10 home runs, 32 RBIs, two stolen bases, 20% strikeout rate, 8% walk rate, 200 ISO. There's a lot to like here. The power, the pop is is definitely there. We would like to see a little bit more than 10 home runs in the 337 plate appearances. But, you know, the 200 ISO has definitely saying that he has more power than that, more untapped potential in that department. And we'd be looking at normally more than 10 home runs in, in that much of a sample size in a 76-game sample size for the 24-year-old. I think going forward, it's it's going to be tough for him to carve out a consistent role for the rest of the season. In the Orioles lineup, there's a lot of outfielders that need at-bats on that team. we got Hayes, Mullins go, going down the whole line. we got Santander, Hicks. There's just a lot of, a lot of people that need reps in the outfield. I think he'll get somewhat of a role I, I don't I'm just skeptical on how consistent it'll be going forward for a team that's in a playoff on I don't know how much they want to throw him in the fire but in terms for dynasty 
this kid's got it for me. I'm a big fan, and I think he has upside, but I, I don't think it's like the other guys where it's five cat, but he definitely has, at least in the average department and home run department, I think we're looking at uh, a league above average hitter, even at the MLB level. He's very mature for the way he approaches the plate for his age. One thing is definitely for certain over there in Baltimore, their farm system is coming, and they have a lot of young pieces coming up. We still have Kobe Mayo down in the minor leagues. We have Jackson Holiday still down there, and even Connor Norby is someone who I'm very, very excited for what the Orioles farm system has coming up in the future. That is all the call-ups we're going to get into today. This is the Farmer's Market Podcast. Brought to you by Sports Ethos. I'm your host, Andrew DeSegli. I appreciate you all for listening today. For our next episode here, we're going to get into my prospect crushes, players who are really rising up my rankings in 2024. And I appreciate you all for listening. Tune in for the next one. Have a good one.